This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. So often, nonprofits are started out of a tragedy, a personal struggle, or traumatic experience that so marked a person that they were compelled to do something in response. Well, that is certainly the case for my guest today. My guest is Dr. Dave Nyack. He's not only board certified in allergy, immunology, and internal medicine, but he started the Strength to Love Foundation, which does everything from providing a free medical clinic to distributing food throughout the state of Illinois and beyond, and has created a fund to help families who have tragically lost their child due to gun violence. You're going to be really inspired today. Well, Dr. Nyax, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, As I mentioned in the outset, not only are you board certified in allergy, immunology, and internal medicine, but you're the founder of the Strength to Love Foundation. And this foundation is dedicated to the belief that all human beings have the universal rights to liberty, to food, shelter, and clothing, healthcare, education, and work. In fact, you focus a lot of your work on the most vulnerable in your community, those most at risk with food insecurity, violence, and lack of quality healthcare. It's quite, quite impressive how much you do. In fact, on the, before we started recording, uh, I mentioned how you wear a lot of hats like many executive directors and CEOs of nonprofits do, but you particularly do. Uh, so maybe you could start out by giving us background as to how and why you started the Strength to Love Foundation. Absolutely. Firstly, Rob, thank you for having me on today. Your, your podcast is wonderful. You're doing great things in the nonprofit world, but thank you. happy to be here today and to talk with you and your listeners about the Strength to Love Foundation and what we're doing uh, also on Nyack Farms too as well. So my name is Dr. Dave Nyack. I am a proud Illinoisans. I was born in central Illinois, raised there, and then I did all of my training in Chicago, Illinois. And I am an allergy immunology specialist. So it means you went to medical school for four years. And then I did a a residency in internal medicine for three years and then a fellowship for two years. And I ended up being uh, an attending physician at the VA. So veterans have a really, really special place in my heart. I have family members who are veterans, my brother-in-law, my father-in-law who did see active combat. And I worked there for a few years. And I'll be honest, I had quite a bit of uh, happiness taking care of them. But I, I felt I could be doing more in my community. I felt that God was calling me to do and to have a bigger purpose and influence in our community. So I was you know, toiling with the notion of starting a nonprofit. And when you do start a nonprofit, you have to figure out, okay, one, what are you good at? And fundamentally, it was providing good care to people. And the, the concept of access to healthcare has always impacted, I'm sure, the majority of physicians who are in the healthcare industry here in the United States. So even if you have insurance, it's very difficult to sometimes get appointments with subspecialty physicians. You're either waiting a few weeks, sometimes right. even months. Sure. And what, what really resonated with me was the fact to say, hey, look, 
you know, veterans and other people with insurance have to wait to see my particular specialty. I can't even imagine what uninsured patients are doing. And through my research, I concluded that essentially the number of uninsured patients seeing an allergy immunology specialist is very, very small. So they're dealing with their chronic conditions like asthma, sinus disease, allergies, things like that. And it's going untreated or it's being treated by a primary care doctor, which is great, but seeing a subspecialty physician is, is imperative if they want to have long-term follow-up care and get better. So I said to myself and, and with you know the partnership of my wonderful best friend and my wife, Alicia, we said, you know, we feel that God's calling us to start a nonprofit and our first mission should be tackling what we know best and that's delivery of healthcare in a good way. So we, we started Strength to Love in 2019 and we, we said, okay, let's create the first free asthma and allergy clinic in the Midwest. And so we knew we needed to actually get a place for us. So we looked around and in the Chicago areas, basically let's rent an office from somebody. We need a couple exam rooms or if, we, if it's in the cards for us, let's buy our place. Mm -hmm. And we were very fortunate in the Roscoe Village area of Chicago, which is on the north side, uh, we found a building that had that was essentially abandoned in the basement. Okay. And it, on the first floor, it's a three flat, and yeah. so we ended up purchasing it at a reduced cost. Okay. And I was I was fortunate that I've renovated a few places here in the city before, so we had a wonderful group and and team of general contractors and and uh, subcontractors who helped us build it out. And I'll be candid with you, Rob. We closed on the property and then we ended up doing the renovation and then and then COVID came. It was literally February, right before March. COVID. Oh wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, there was a need for physicians to come back, you know, to to where they have trained just because we didn't know much about COVID. And and sure. to be honest, many hospitals needed help. And, you know, the governor and the mayor of Chicago allowed physicians who had left academic medicine to come back to these hospitals in an easy way. And so, you know, there was, you know, a need at the VA too as well. And so I sat with my wife and we we talked about it and we said, well, should I go back and treat, you know, COVID patients at the VA or should we press forward with our clinic? And we prayed about it and we felt that uh, we, we needed to go on because we felt that there are going to be many, many patients who are going to be needing our help even more so during this pandemic. And so we rallied with our with our team of, of builders and 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 during this time period I was reaching out to a lot of a lot of our partners, right? So okay. the the people who help us, for example, who help us with our medications and our labs and getting all of these things lined up, it takes time. Because yeah. at yeah. the end of the day, my goal is this when you walk into our clinic, you don't pay a single thing. That's wise. Well, and as you mentioned, you run a free clinic under this foundation, which is really just by itself. That's impressive. So from your experience, what is at the root when it comes to disparities in healthcare in your community? What have you found so far? Yes. So again, we touched on it. The, the access to healthcare, good healthcare too, is difficult even if you are insured and you have the coverage. Um, my patient population, again, 100% are uninsured. So when you come in, you have to have no insurance. That's the requirement. And we check that too as well. Got it. Further, a large portion of our patients in terms of demographics is, is very interesting. We have quite a number 
of patients of lower socioeconomic groups. However, I will say post-pandemic or going through this pandemic, we have seen a huge increase of patients 25 to 35 years of age who are freelance workers. So for example, okay. Yeah. So as you as you see these quote unquote gig economy and how freelancers are choosing to either work from home or to go out on their own, to be candid, it's very, very expensive to get insurance. Even if you go through the Affordable Care Act, uh, going on the marketplace, it's not, it's not cheap. And during, you know, times of inflationary headwinds and prices are going up, people are having to choose between, well, I need to pay my rent, I need to pay my food bills and and my car payments, et cetera. And typically what they'll do is if they're in this sort of 25 to 35 age group, they'll they'll actually defer on getting health insurance. Because again, it's probably close to a mortgage payment. And so we've actually had a huge number of patients who have chronic respiratory conditions like asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or even you know seasonal allergies or sinus disease and things like that who come to see us. Who, who, who can't afford insurance and who need our help. And so that's, that's another demographic that we see very commonly now. And these conditions would go untreated, uh, to be honest, or they would actually be treated by urgent cares or emergency rooms because that's where a large number of patients go to get their primary care uh, treatment these days. And so we've been very fortunate to have a great patient demographic from all over. We treat uh, patients who are not only from Chicago, but I'll be honest with you, Rob, there are patients who drive in or, or even take long trains and buses. And one of the things that we want to do at Strength to Love Free Asthma and Allergy Clinic, we pay for their transportation because compliance is key. Many times patients can't just you know spend a day traveling to see us. And so not only do we take care of their travel, but I actually try to work my clinic schedules around them because we know a number of our patients are service workers, right? And that they have, it, it's a lot of money for them to take off one full day or half a day to see us. So typically I have clinic on Saturdays. Sometimes I'll come in on Sundays too as well, but we try to work around our patient's schedule so that they don't miss work or that they have uh, the, the proper ways to, to transport us. And our office, we built it out in a way, and, and I recommend people to go to strengthtolove.org. You can see a video of our clinic. Okay. It's, a very, it's a very friendly and, and homey clinic. When you walk in here, you don't think it's a clinic, number one. Number okay. two, nice. visits can be a couple of hours long, you know, okay. and so we want families or patients to have a comfortable time. And so you know, we have, you know, couches in the exam rooms, you know, there's things that, uh, you know, engage the children if needed. So um, we see both, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I see young children all the way to late adulthood. I will say the insurance ability for young children in the city of Chicago is very good, actually. Is so it? if okay. you are uninsured mm-hmm. as a parent, you can obtain insurance for your child. Okay. And that helps them to get their resources, whether it's through um, the county health system here or even um, you know through through Medicaid as well as so so it's very so so rarely do we see uninsured children, but I always open our clinics to them to help. But but you have to be uninsured for sure. Okay, very fascinating. Well, again, as mentioned, you wear many hats, and in addition to this free medical clinic, I've learned also that you're involved with helping address food insecurity. 
fact, your foundation has partnered with Nyack Farms, which of course you started, to help logistically coordinate the largest donation of sweet corn in Illinois. In fact, your partnerships with Feeding Illinois and the Greater Chicago uh, Food Depository, you will coordinate and help deliver over 300,000 pounds of sweet corn annually, as I understand it, to the state of Illinois, as well as neighboring states. Now, this is pretty incredible. So talk more about this. I have a feeling this is a family farm, seeing the name. What is the vision of this outreach? And then talk maybe a little bit about the logistics. How do you manage it? Who oversees the farm? I mean, you're running this medical clinic. You have a farm. Uh, How do you get it all done? Yeah, no, thanks, uh, Rob. So I'm also known as Farmer Dave, in addition to Dr. Dave. And um, you're absolutely right. I do wear many hats. And and just going back to the clinic, I have clinic two days a week now because the other parts of my time are devoted to our other wonderful missions that we have. And the, uh, you know, in addition to, to access to healthcare, we're very passionate about food insecurity, not only in the city of Chicago, but obviously in the state of Illinois, that means just so much to us. And so Nyack Farms was created and was born out of, usually it was born out of the answer, no. And I, and I think a lot of people who start their nonprofits they're created out of resiliency, right? Something happened in their lives or is a key moment yeah. that caused them to say, you know, this experience or moment is significant to where it changes the trajectory of my life. And that's exactly what happened to my wife and I. So being here in Chicago and being passionate about food insecurity, we wanted to help a community within a food desert. So, so the state of Illinois and, and Chicago, as you know, food deserts, the definition of a food desert is an urban community that has difficulty accessing fresh food. Typically, it's greater than a mile. And this includes grocery stores, food market, farmers markets, etc. And in the city of Chicago is one of the biggest urban communities with the most food deserts. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I, we felt you know, pediatric uh, nutrition is really a passion of ours. Because if you get kids to eat right to begin with at a younger age, their outcomes are better. They have less chronic illnesses and, and, and things just go a lot better in their lives outcome-wise. So, so what we did was we actually targeted a, a food desert area and a school within a food desert. And we wanted to work with them and to build a grocery store within their school. And we would provide not only the financial capabilities of renovating the space, but also supplying the space and and helping in terms of both logistics operations in addition to the infrastructure. Okay. And to be honest, Rob, it was a lot of red tape uh, going not only through the school system, the board, and even um, you know going through the city council or the aldermanic uh, process there. And to be honest, it ended up just being a no. And from there, we were very, my wife and I were very surprised. We said, wow, Mm -hmm. we can try to do everything possible and Mm. to help this area, but still we can get turned down. So we decided to say, okay, if we can't help areas in Chicago, let's focus on something bigger. Let's look at the state of Illinois. So, you know, you have to have this faith, but there are also calculated risks that you have to take too as well. For sure. And you have to believe in your team. You have to believe in your mission. And so we had our trucks ready to go. We picked the corn uh, the first week of July. And we worked obviously with Feeding Illinois, which is under the Feeding America umbrella. And so we had routes that we knew. So not only to greater Chicago, but we went all over Illinois. So 
to River Bank, which is in the Western Illinois that serves Eastern Iowa. We went down all the way South to Tri-State, which is all the way in the South of Illinois. It feeds Southern Illinois, Western Indiana, Eastern Missouri. So we, we had this, this routes already planned. The biggest thing is trying to get truck drivers too. I bet for sure. So Rob, let me tell you, our farmer was so committed to our mission that there were times we couldn't even get a driver. So our farmer said, you know what? I got my commercial driver's license. I'll drive it for you. Really? Oh, so that's we started fantastic. just uh, we started delivering corn. So from July, we have just been we just wrapped up our season, you know, not too long ago. And we wow. we've delivered wow. thousands of pounds to all over the state uh, and and in beyond too. So in Iowa, Missouri, Indiana, and We've impacted a lot of communities for providing fresh produce. It is our responsibility as a community to help those who are in pain. It's mm-hmm. serving people is an obligation. It's not a privilege. Right. And privilege. that's definitely something that I want others to know, my children to know, and that if they follow us or look at our accomplishments, that that's something that I am influencing on them. Wow, that's so great. Well, speaking of pain, uh, sadly, there is a lot of pain when it comes to gun violence. And the reason I bring that up is a third area of your foundation's focus is on gun violence. And sadly, this has been part of our regular news cycle every week, sometimes every day. Uh, why have you focused on gun violence in addition to food insecurity and healthcare? And I understand you work closely with state and local leaders on legislation uh, when it comes to gun violence. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about what you do along those lines. Absolutely. So again, I pose this question to your listeners. Has there been an experience or a moment in their lives that has changed the trajectory of your life? And that's exactly what happened to to my wife and I again. So a few years back, we were volunteering at uh, an after-school club and one of the nine-year-old children there was tragically murdered. He was caught in between uh, rival gang violence. And in Chicago, this is unfortunately very common. And he was shot multiple times and he was killed. And it really tragically affected my wife and I. And a few days later, we got a call from the nonprofit leader of, of the after school club. And she posed this question. She said, Hey, Dave, is there a, a chance that you know you could help pay for the burial of this of the student. And so my wife and I, we, we just prayed about this and we felt that God was just calling us to, to take care of everything for, for, this, for this family. So we paid for the entire uh, burial process. And, you know, we, we were just overwhelmed with how much trauma was, was centered around this. And so a few months later, I received a call on my cell phone. And it was a mother uh, we were able to speak with who said to me, hey, Dr. Dave, I want to let you know something that, that what you did for me allowed me the opportunity to go physically to where my son was buried and to spend time with him and to talk with him and to, you know, have that opportunity to just be at a place that's solemn. And what it did allow for me was a decrease in my pain. It allowed me to focus on me just eating food and taking a bath and just getting back to being a member of the community again. 
And it, it just really hit us really, really hard. My wife powerful. and I and said, powerful, wow, yeah. this is very, very powerful. And so, as I mentioned before, Chicago, unfortunately, and the state of Illinois has, has experienced such a explosion of fatalities of children from gun violence. And so I went to my wife and I said, I think God's calling us to really become more engaged in these families and to do the same thing that we've done for this first family. So essentially, I sat down and I said, okay, let's figure out a way to make the state create a program that would efficiently help these families very quickly. Okay. And so the Michael Moultrie Jr. Act, essentially, if the child is under the age of 17 and is killed by a firearm, and is murdered, you produce a death certificate, which the, the city and, and the counties can give within a few hours after doing the autopsy, and you provide a simple pay stub to, to provide income verification. Sure. You take it to any funeral or burial service provider, mm-hmm. and they will front you up to $10,000 so that you can choose how you would like your child to be buried in a civil and, and compassionate way. And what we did was I wrote this into a law. Senator Collins became our, our gladiator in the Senate. And we got bipartisan support because it wasn't a commentary on the causes of gun violence. We wanted to focus on these families' pain. We were fortunate. And this is really what, again, we try to do. We take complex problems. We try to simplify them through the lens of pain. And then we scale up right. on a policy level. And so we're, we're very blessed. Again, we know that this year and next year and, and after that, there are going to be kids in not only in Chicago, but in the entire state who are going to be killed by gun violence. And there are going to be families who need our assistance. And this is how we're doing that. So the law kicks in July 1st, 2023. Um, and, and we're humbled. It would be a great way to, to describe of, of just how many people and teams around us came to the table to focus on the pain of these families and put their egos aside, right? To get legislation passed in a very short time period, Rob. We, we took an idea and we implemented it into law in a matter of months. That, that doesn't happen too often. Well, I'm struck by how you know, three different instances that have really prompted you to try out and now implement and now scale even these outreaches for three totally different areas where oftentimes people have three different separate nonprofits for each one of these areas you're trying to tackle. Very impressive. You're doing them. A question I have for you, and I'm sure my listeners would be, how do you find balance in your life? You have a lot going on. You're wearing lots of hats. You're doing a lot of good. How do you find self-care and where do you find the times to just balance and and, uh, spend time with your family and just time to relax and and to to refill yourself? No, it's a great question, Rob. To be honest, I am uh, first a husband and father. Uh, I have two beautiful children. They are young. They're still in primary school. Since they've been born, no matter how busy we get, I try not to miss a bedtime routine. We are definitely a family who really encourages dinners at home together, free of electronics, so we can figure out one, you know, our highs and lows of the day we always go through and you know, giving thanks for for what you know God has provided to us. I would not be remiss to say 
you know, the, the, the oil that runs the engine of our, of our whole lives is, is my wife, Alicia. We've been okay. together for going on 23 years. We, we met uh, when we were young, young kids now at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, she's an attorney by trade, but we call her the general at home. She, she tells us to jump and we say how high. And so <laughs> we're, we're just, like she has the toughest job. Yeah. Yep. But, but in all honesty, Rob, I don't sleep too much. I've never slept much in my life. Uh, and it's just five to six hours. And I feel always refreshed since I was a young child. I get up early. I get up every day at about four, four thirty, And it's, it's for self-care, right? So I don't miss a day where I read the Bible every day. I meditate every day. I have a gratitude journal too that I, that I write in every day. And this is before the kids get up at you know, 6.37. I make sure that I do my back stretches at the TRX. I do a lot of you know, cardiovascular and, and uh, exercise just to keep my sanity. Uh, but there, there is a lot that you, you have to focus on your self-care. You know, especially the mind. I, as a physician, I always counsel my patients that mental health is equally as important as physical health. Well, again, it's remarkable how much you are doing. Congratulations. And thank you for all you do to serve so many people in so many different ways. How can people find more information about Strength to Love Foundation for my listeners? Absolutely. So Rob, we are at strengthtolove.org. Uh, you can find us on, on the web there. But really, if they want to uh, follow us and, and what we're doing on Instagram and Twitter, our handle is at strength to love one. Feel free to DM us, give us an email too. We love that too as well. And if you're more interested in Nyack Farms, it's at Nyack Farms, or you can find us on the web at nyackfarms.com. Again, Rob, this has been such a true pleasure to speak with you and your listeners to give a little insight into what we are doing at Strength to Love and Nyack Farms. I couldn't be more thrilled to talk about what we're doing and to be here on this podcast and what you are doing. You inspire us to do more too as well. Uh, Well, thank you. I really appreciate your kind words. And again, thanks for being on the show and sharing your insights. Absolutely, Rob. Take care. Be well. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.